Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right. We're talking about Final Destination 2 on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, and it's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from Canada. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We're going to unpack all the gory details of Final Destination 2 in the hopes that an unlucky traveler's uh, death is just the beginning of the jokes we can make at their expense, and as always... There's only one person I trust that if I die, she'll toss all my porn and drug paraphernalia away before my mom sees it. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I'm good, but I just wanted to uh, reach out to uh, to someone with an apology in advance. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. I'd like to apologize to our friend Bill, who yes. messaged us today, right. this day, thanking yeah. us. For doing a run talking about good movies. <laughs> He's like, I, I'm glad to see you talking about things like Aliens and Predator. And we're like, oh, Bill, that's so nice. Well, we're recording Final Destination 2 today. <laughs> I told him the return of irredeemable crap is upon us. <laughs> he did. He had no idea how close it was at hand. Well, he also did not know that the episode that is already in the can and people will have heard by now is Cats. So <laughs> <laughs> he may be, he, he, he may be enemy know. of the show, Bill, by the time this is <laughs> yes. over. How soon it slips from uh, these wonderful episodes. And by the way, people really enjoyed, the, by the download numbers, really enjoyed the John Carpenter's The Thing episode. Um, so that's great. And I, I'm happy that people are happy with that, but we have to have a balanced diet on this show, Gina. It can't all be good for you vegetables. Sometimes we have to drown ourselves in molten chocolate sundae sauce. Yes. Yeah. Especially when it's laced with gasoline. Um, but I, listen, Gina, I don't want to scare you here. But we are not alone. That's right. We have a special guest. Now, she's an actor. She's a burlesque performer. Uh, she's a horror bon vivant. And, of course, she is a returning champion to Kill by Kill, the one, the only, Alyssa Wagner. How are you doing today, Alyssa? Hello. I am great now. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm very oh, excited. Of course. We My love favorite podcast. Yes. I'm so happy you're back. You, you, uh, we... We did. We went through the entirety of season three. <laughs> of course, uh, I'm no one has ever accused me of being a good producer of the show. I think we can all agree on it. <laughs> but somehow we missed having you back for season three. So when season four hit, we had to schedule you. And I'm like, well, here's the thing, though. You might have to talk about a Final Destination movie. And you, while you breathe a deep sigh you did agree to this <laughs> you know if i'm gonna talk about this movie and watch it way more than i should in a week's span it's going to be on this podcast so i i'm ready i am so ready for it uh who is ready for the true boomerang that is flight 182 um <laughs> Final Destination 2 came out about three years after the original Final Destination. Um, no one has really 
returning here with the exception of a, a couple on-screen players. Uh, Devin Sawa uh, did not return, although there are several photographs of him looking very confused. <laughs> well, In between cause takes. Because everybody, everybody else does too. So, yeah. And they're I, very I polished too. They're completely <laughs> polished photographs. Oh yeah, like, I, I love how every photograph in, in the... In the uh, of the newspapers during the microfiche scene, which I love. Yes, um, <laughs> we it, love a microfiche. Scene. They're all still, they're all stills from the movie, the, the last movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like that one photographer in the Friday movies who always managed to get a photo of Jason I was just from gonna the say. movie, and then like it's no, it's no Friday Thirteenth Part Five ending. That's for sure. <laughs> Jason in the newspaper. No cameras, please. <laughs> please, my client has no statement. He is a, a hulking backwood mutant. He needs to get back to his murder island and the little closet where he hangs his spare masks. Uh, here's the thing, Alyssa, you don't know this, but there's been some time in the, the kill by kill thread that we need to have an episode where we only talk about the dream bedroom that Jason has from Freddy versus Jason. Oh God. Just every detail <laughs> about that bedroom, just for an entire episode. And strangely <laughs> enough, I think we could do it, Gina. Oh, I, we absolutely can do it. I would look forward to that episode. I, I just looking at it still, I found online. I found three new details to talk about. We love a bedroom. We love our boy, Jason. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen. Probably not anytime soon. But, uh, you know, if you think that's a good idea, let us know online. You let us know about everything else. And we love it when you do that. But let's get back into Final Destination 2. Gina, I'm really excited here because we're reuniting with an old friend, the director of Shark Night 3D. Thank God. Not a minute too soon. <laughs> I mean, and all the skill, all the all, all the joie de vivre that was seeping into Shark Knight 3D is really being born here <laughs> in Final Destination 2. Unfortunately, this film does not feature a character who loses an arm and then wanders back into the water where all the sharks are with a trident and says, <laughs> Come and get me. Um, as much That's the post-credit scene, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it is there. It's just post-credits. Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> right. Makes total sense. He also directed Snakes on a Plane, which I assume some April will probably get to. Yeah, I, I, I mean, at least this has, which is, you know, as is the case for all Final Destination movies, the primary reason you watch them, if not the only reason you watch them, mm -hmm. is for yeah. the spectacularly gory death scenes. And, and, yes, and, this, and, and that's where this shines, baby. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. and this this delivers. Uh, There's a lot of dissected body parts in this yeah. movie. Just right. crushing, a lot of splatting, Looney Tunes. A lot of splatter. Going. I mean, they went for it. <laughs> it, it, there, it is a gore fest. And yes, Gina, you're absolutely right. Right. This is why we come to this. That being said, there is a lot more life and care and suspense in the first film than what is brought to here. But I do feel like if there is a saving grace to this film, it is its opening, which yes. for yes. my money is perhaps the best. Uh, and it certainly sets the template that everyone is trying to beat because I think the airplane thing is kind of 
calm until it isn't. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, they're really trying to follow the formula, but the end result is so much more visceral um, that, it, and I just think it's, one, as it is as universal as the fear of flying is mm-hmm. that being passed by a truck and going, <laughs> that truck doesn't look fucking safe. No one around me is driving well. Oh shit, I got to get off this fucking freeway. And getting off a freeway is easier to do than getting off an airplane. That being said, um, I just, I think all the vast majority of directorial effort was really poured into this opening 20 minutes. And then everything after that is like a, a real difficult tone shift. The vibes be off. You know what I mean? Yeah. This opening, uh, well, first off, I way more often than should, whenever I get on the freeway, mm-hmm. I shit you not, I there's always some truck that has wood in its back <laughs> that I end up behind and it's sure. so uncomfortable. And I just think like, this is it. This is any minute. And right. funny story though, because I, over this weekend, I went to um, Joshua Tree for a bachelorette. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, fun, great idea, Alyssa. I decided the night before, I'm like, okay, so let's start rewatching this. And, uh, I just happened to, uh, watch the opening scene and that was my plan. I didn't want to watch anything else. And as we got in the car for the road trip, I like, I kept flashing to that scene and thinking like, why, why, this is not what you want to watch before you get in a car with a bunch of girls and head somewhere. And, uh, I mean, it, yeah, it was not fun. It was not fun, but it goes to show how effective that scene is. Like, it's just, it's real. Like, that could happen, like, yes. tonight or tomorrow. Like, that's, that's what, just... Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say, is it, it's out of all of the scenarios that are set up in the various movies, you have the plane crash, I think one was a bunch of people... Uh, like an auto, like an, an auto track or something. Uh, yeah, then, like a oh race. And yes. then you've got yeah. like a like a a, a roller coaster malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. Another one. This yeah. is this one is the most plausible. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I mean, like, yeah, as you say, like if you're on the highway, you're always gonna see a truck. You're always <laughs> gonna see something that has you know lumber or boxes or or pipes or whatever that seem a little you know not securely attached. Like you you see those all the time, and yeah, I mean, even if you've never seen this movie, you're 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 probably seeing clips of these because this is always mentioned in you know best gory scenes and horror movies mm-hmm. and yeah so it, it does it definitely sticks with you so that part oh, is yeah. done very effectively but yeah, no. you know, the problem with the rest of the movie is the <laughs> it feels like the script is st- was still being actively written while they were yes. filming yeah it. yeah definitely it really does feel unfinished and that they did not understand exactly what the tone is i, I think i'll get to what my my what I enjoy about the swerve and the problem, the swerve sets up for the rest of the film, but let's, let's just discuss this opening. But before we do um, remind me again, Gina, did you see this in the theater or was this? No, this is the first time. This is the first time watch for me. This is the first time watch. Yeah. And then Alyssa, did you see it previous? Yes. I, I didn't see, and I haven't seen any of the final destination movies in the theaters, but I was first introduced to them through a, a thing us fossils know as Netflix DVDs when they mailed, when they mailed you DVDs. Um, so that's when I first saw it was way back then. And then when a dust yeah. covered wagon would yes. pull up to your house. Yes. And a, 
a man would <laughs> <laughs> would reach into his satchel and pull out a DVD, a physical and a little disc. yes. Yeah. One mm-hmm. of those things. But, uh, and then I rewatched uh, my now husband and I, we um, had, we do franchise, like, I don't want to say months. I don't know what they are, but we just revisit franchises. And uh, Final Destination was one at the beginning of the pandemic that we rewatched. Sure. So. No, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, speaking of pandemics, let's get into conspiracies. Because <laughs> this film opens with a, mostly silent credit sequence <laughs> in, a, in a weird transposition of the originals bedroom credit sequence. This <laughs> seems to be uh, watching a spider who has no bearing on the plot <laughs> whatsoever fall <laughs> from one object to the next, kind of get into her hair and then have shit all to do. Like she doesn't even like, Oh, that's my spider. It just disaffected. <laughs> like it, that spider could be in her hair for the rest of the movie. Oh God, we don't know. So that's the nightmare right there. Like uh, she could. What is sending her those psychic signals? Could be that spider. It could be piloting her, like in Ratatouille, <laughs> when Remy holds a guy's hair and makes him cook. <laughs> <laughs> it um, could be that weird, like what is that Jesus paper mache like puppet or something? She's got some creepy puppets in there. Oh, th- that fucking clown is insane. Uh, no one should have that in there. N- no. no. No one should have a trapeze artist clown <laughs> who's hung at what appears to be eye level. What, you don't <laughs> need anything on that side of your fucking room? This thing is just at eye level? It's not even hanging high. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus. So, on television is this guy who's being quote unquote interviewed um, about his theories of the first film. And this, this is part of the problem here. No one can quite communicate what the premise of the first movie is in a way that seems threatening to anyone else. No. Because his conspiracy is he wants to warn people, don't get off an airplane because if it crashes without you on it, you're going to die. <laughs> what, are you, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I have it on in the if background. If you were still on the airplane, you were going to die. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to look out for? <laughs> don't, don't avoid accidents because then an accident will befall you. This is not, th- this is even worse than I don't remember what Jason Voorhees is. <laughs> this is, be afraid of this thing I definitely believe is happening that no one else believes it happens. And then the solution is, I don't know, try to avoid dying. That's what I was already doing. That's what we're all doing. <laughs> Just try not to die if you can help it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I have I, it on I in I the background. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try, guy. I try. It's interesting. I have the captions on right now. So, like, as you're talking about that, I'm seeing, like, what the dialogue is. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's something, man. It yeah, is something. it really is. Um, but this is... Our lead character, uh, Kimberly, um, she's a spider girl in the horse girl world, I guess. <laughs> um, and this, her, mm, I'm trying to be nice here, but there's a, a real difficulty with her characterization because in a lot of ways, she just unintentionally kind of comes off like Anna Ferris in scary movie. A little bit. I feel <laughs> a like lot she, of yeah. It. I just feel a like 
maybe she didn't get all, it almost seems like she didn't get as much direction as she preferred. And so she was, she didn't know if she was supposed to be like, she just didn't know the direction she was supposed to go in. And it looks like right. that in her face. You can kind of see it. Well, she's just like looking around just with her mouth hanging open because there's a lot of unbelievable shit happening. And I get it. But she also looks like if the wind were to blow through the room, her ears would whistle. It's just, she comes off dumb. And I don't think she's necessarily a dumb actress. I think no one is telling her what the fuck to do. Yeah. And they've given her Anna Faris's scary movie haircut. <laughs> and between the two of those things, it's not a good recipe for success. <laughs> like the closest she comes to really attempting to act is the first scene she has with Clear in the in the psychiatric hospital. Mm, and right, a real meeting of the minds. Yeah, well, for whatever reason, like, well, you know, be mad that she doesn't want to help you. And, yeah. you know, this, this this mentally fragile woman who is so <laughs> mentally ill that she has voluntarily checked herself into a psychiatric hospital yes. and, has, and, and has apparently been asked to put a, be put in a padded room, which I don't think you could do that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. With a padded room that has its own security camera system set up so she can see. That she can let people in and out of the she, yeah, she can buzz people into her own room. It's like she, this, she calls the shots. Extremely <laughs> liberal, liberally managed psychiatric hospital. I, I don't think she that would be very effective. one of those 30 effective. rock doors that can lock someone in and she can only let you out. It's just... <laughs> That's not, mm, I've got real bad vibes. It doesn't of seem that. like good protocol. And this, <laughs> this character, the, the heroine of this one, I've already forgotten her name, regrettably. Uh, 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 Kimberly. 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 Yeah. She, she comes in knowing that all of Clear's friends have died. Yeah. That Clear's boyfriend has died because apparently, I guess she and Devin Sawa's character date started dating at some point before a brick falls on his head, which, <laughs> which I, I I love that because it's so silly, and yet that's exactly how I would die. I could just I could, I could absolutely picture you know me cheating death you know by escaping a plane crash, and then I'm just walking along and blink you know. I, <laughs> I get like I get like Mr. Magood out of this world, um, but so she is so you know, disturbed by her experience that she's essentially you know, opted to just move into a psychiatric hospital semi permanently, mm-hmm. and Make she just like cave. well I don't want to know why you don't want to help me you're a coward and <laughs> gives her the finger when she wants to yeah. the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, okay, this well. This person owes you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. It's, it, and she's like, why won't you help me? She has helped you. She's told you her experience. That's all you fucking need. Right. And yet somehow she cajoles her out of her well-protected room that has allowed her to avoid falling bricks to the face like her boyfriend (laughs) who they inexplicably fell in love and they came up with a a cutesy name for one another in the second half of the movie with zero chemistry between them (laughs) the amount of people i read who said who claimed that those two had chemistry in that movie Mm. i'm like 
Where Did was you it? Make your own? <laughs> was How it? How high were you? A deleted like, scene? Like, <laughs> yeah. <it> was, <laughs> every scene therein is a deleted scene. I don't want to talk ill of of well. I don't really care about her. She she made her own fucking bed. Hmm. But Devin Sawa has gone on to be an actor in yes. things where he's an actual fucking actor, and it's just it, there's nothing between them. Like it, it's just air passing between them. Yeah. They're very attractive, good for them, but it takes sometimes it takes a little bit more than a constant shot of someone's midriff to go, these two need to fuck. Because you don't get that from that. Sometimes, yeah. But Kimberly, thank goodness, has very funny and awesome friends. Let's talk about that. Oh, my them. gosh. There's Shiana? Yeah, I literally just watched this earlier and now I'm on it again and I still don't know their names, but I think that's right. (laughs) I had to look at I had to look all these things up because if they say them out loud, they don't register. It's like on some sort of wavelength that only dogs can hear. But Shiana would like to put Kimberly's dad into a coma from sexual activity it, shock. That is mortifying. I don't know any fr- if a friend of mine decided to say, "Can we go get the guys? I'm getting horny." Like in front of a parent of mine, I I, I don't know what I would do. And, and like imagine, that's just a- imagine admitting you're horny for those two guys. Um, I. <laughs> Which which one of those which, two she probably, is she yeah. horny for, even in pretend? Because that if we're going to choose your own death venture, that's a, a death of a sexual nature. Like, <laughs> Talk about who him. is the yeah. better lay out of Dano and Frankie? Dano and Frankie. <laughs> of course. They're Dano, just, they're just, of they're course. Fighting, they're just fighting over that Limp Biscuit CD in the back of the car. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buckle up, Gina. Uh, believe me, that will not be the only 2000 <laughs> reference made in this I, episode of Kill by Kill. If oh. that's on your bingo card, congrats. You're going to be stamping, baby. Um, yeah, Dano is on loan from the failed Joey Lawrence cloning facility. Uh, he just... Looks like that. He looks like Joey Lawrence. If you got a couple zeros and ones wrong when you were trying to remake him out of Dino DNA, (laughs) and then you have Frankie, who, I mean, he's a carbon-based life form, but outside of that, he also looks like a Floby victim, like someone (laughs) held him down and just Flobied him. It's not a good look. Oh no. And there's just, Dano likes to smoke weed and Frankie's like, come on, man. And that's it. That's, that's all it. Frankie okay. has to do. I mean, I feel like anytime there's a horror movie where there's teens or just anyone out of college in a car, somebody has to be the weed person and somebody yeah, sure. has to be the, come on, man. Like yes. there's always in the backseat. There's, and that's their so, character. That's it. So I mean, admittedly, admittedly, character. I was the, I was the, come on, man, person. Come on, <laughs> come on man. I was until I was 30 and then I was the stoner Same. character. I, I was the I'm person who would have none of it. And now I'm like, <laughs> go at it. I don't care about anything anymore. Oh. <laughs> uh, so they're all in a car together, together and boy, do they, the chemistry is just thick. They, I mean, you can really see why why these four people 
know each other's names. They have nothing in common yeah. with one another. It is literally, I mean, it's one of the reasons I guess I wanted to do this particular franchise because it is one of those that comes closest to that dynamic of Friday the 13th of why are these fucking people talking to say. one another? And you can never quite figure it out for the entire length of a movie. It's very Friday the 13th 3D in terms of oh, the yes. uh, chemistry, the group chemistries. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I This has never come up in, in, in uh, uh, trivia uh, for us, Alyssa. But I oh, feel like I got yes. this in my back fucking pocket. It will. But do you know that yeah. that van that they drive around is Dana's van. Her oh, name was lettered on the driver's side oh door. Oh my gosh. Which means she's the one who has the 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 deadhead stickers. What? And the, the the panel van and the carpeting. That's her. I never noticed van. that. Nor did I until I watched that Scream Factory 3D version. Oh my and finally, this shit is in fucking focus. <laughs> and you're like, holy shit, that's her van. It's not those two stoners' vans. Now I know why she is hanging out with them, but she never smokes any fucking weed. Who do you know who has a boogie van with deadhead stickers? I mean, she is traveling to go see the goddamn <laughs> dead in concert and doesn't smoke weed. She's the pregnant what one, the right? F- it's even weirder in retrospect. <laughs> I almost blanked out. Yeah, she's the pregnant character, right? She's, no. Oh, wait. She's oh, my lead. gosh. She's the one who may or wait, may not Chris? have been sexually assaulted by oh, Jason Voorhees. Who's a different looking Jason Voorhees than he was two oh, days my prior? Gosh. Oh, God. Gina, should we just do Friday the Thirteenth again? I, I think we, you know, now that we we understand our format a little better. Maybe we should. I maybe we should. As a fan of the podcast, I am a hundred percent for that. So <laughs> I I, repre- what I will would represent. What we learn if we talked about it again? Or would we just so sell, tell the same jokes? I'm not sure, but um, I'm calling part four because of Corey Feldman. <laughs> you know me and, and my Corey, so I'm I'm sure. calling that now. No, so. <laughs> and you have Corey stories, and we would want those Corey stories. <sighs> All right, let's get back. To, what were we talking about? I, Final destination. <laughs> this is this is how enjoyable this movie was, which is actually it's not it's not it's not the worst thing that's ever happened. It's just not great. It's fine. Gina, mm. quote, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So um, they're on the road. They pass Evan, who is eastbound and down and helping Snowman make a bear run from Texarkana by the looks of it. And they, the entire car just looks over at this guy in a Trans Am. They're like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they're like, what the fuck are you reacting to? It's a guy in a Trans Am. <laughs> Like he's not doing anything. They're like, oh, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. You're like, this that is- must be some fucking awesome weed. <laughs> shit all is happening. Yeah, everybody, every, half the people on this highway seem to be either, they're, they're impaired 
in some way or another. I was going to say, yeah. I, I don't know about what it's like when, when you both drive on a freeway highway, but in my experience, it's not a party. It's not like a good day, sir. Like, I feel no. like everybody in every car looks over to each other and has some sort of interaction. Yeah. And it's, it's, they're more social. They're more social than I am at a I, party. I won't even make eye contact if someone's trying, if like dancing, like I, I'm so uncomfortable when I pull up next to somebody, like, especially at a stoplight that I have to pretend that I'm like in thought or something, even though they're not looking at me, like it doesn't matter, but I have to pretend I'm like reciting something in my, (laughs) because I just don't like interacting in cars. But yeah, it is broad daylight and you got people smoking weed, people drinking, people flashing each other. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just a random motorcycle Bourbon Street? It feels like the beginning of like a Freddy nightmare. Like it's just, is this a nightmare? This has a lot of Freddy nightmare vibes. Yes. Where all of a sudden someone with the hardest breast implants you've ever seen in your life is like, have you seen these? (laughs) Yeah. I saw a Playboy in the 2000s. So yes, I saw those. Thank you for that, biker and lady. (laughs) And then Daniel's like, oh my God. He's like, all right, that I guess you like react to, but why is the lady flashing them? Like, is is that a gang entry related activity? Why would I mean, she be forced to do this? I've never or been why flashed. Would she choose to do it of her own volition? <laughs> because like, the what? director said so. I yeah mm, yeah. There's a lot of because the director said so, uh, but I just what does she have to gain? There's no stakes to this act. Yeah, it happens. It is so gratuitous. Like, it, like there's no yes. point to it. No. So they pass this. They they're passed by a logging truck. Dano flicks his lit joint onto the leaf covered windshield of Cat, who is a in Dick Finger's quote busy woman because she needs those files, Jerry. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Gina, did you get that thing? I sent you. (laughs) (laughs) Always get the things that you send me. (laughs) Um, In a white panel van is a very pregnant Isabella. Uh, Then we meet Thomas, who is a cocaine user and has a haircut that seems to just be lying on top of his head, (laughs) but might get up to move at any second. It just looks like when a young kid just cuts their own hair and they don't have a mirror. (laughs) Yes, it looks like a toque has been there, but every scene he's in, the toque has been taken off. It's very odd. Here's story time. Previous to getting married to Becky, uh, she took me to a particular hairdresser down in Fairfax, uh, who's like, I want you to have the best hair you could possibly have. And I think you, your face would look great with longer hair. And he goes, what I think I can get you is is tom cruise's hair from the last samurai and i'm like are you fucking kidding me you can get me that hair absolutely you give me nine months and i will make this happen And i'm like i've never had long hair in my life i I have no luck with it he's like no 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 i this is a foolproof plan The, the there were there was a lot of fool in that plan and the fool was me because I walked around with nine months trying to grow up my hair and it looked <laughs> a lot like this motherfucker I was oh, dressing no. like that motherfucker and um, it is embarrassing to look back at a version of myself a more successful version of myself if I'm being honest. 
it's sad. Uh, they get passed by a beer truck and the person's uh, drinking a beer. And it is at this moment that Kimberly fastens her seatbelt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, now I have to play it safe. You're on a fucking freeway without your seatbelt on? No one has their seatbelts on. Where do these people live? This was in the two thousands. This was not 1972. Yeah. Why don't you have a fucking seatbelt on? That line of dialogue too is something else. Like it's <sighs> almost like she was trying to make a joke and have a comedic beat, but it just didn't work. Cause I don't yeah. know if that's supposed to be a funny, ha she just said unsafe. And because like, I don't know that anyone knows the tone of this movie. Yeah, exactly. It varies so wide. I don't know if I'm supposed to think it's funny or not. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, in an, in another car, uh, there's a young child who's looking out the window, and he has he has a toy truck and a toy car, and he's forcing both of them to basically have passionate sex yes. with one another. Yes. <laughs> and he's just like I, I, looking at her, like, eh, eh, eh. You eh, like this? You see these? You see this truck? This car? They're fucking. Yeah, this, this could be us. <laughs> this, Would you playing? <laughs> You plus me equals trucks. <laughs> we we could be the we could be this transformer <laughs> and this whole hunk of plastic, and we could be fucking Call right now. Call me Bumblebee. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to joke about the little kids. Like that. Oh God! Too late. Um, Damn it. And then there's a cop uh, named Rory who has a coffee cup without a fucking lid, like. <sighs> All these people kind of deserve to die, Gina. Yes, yeah, Darwinism. Really do. I think we it's Darwinism. a weird yeah. problem where they're and we've run into this on in slashers where it's a group of people who are too big of an asshole, mm. and you kind of want them to die. And yeah. th- while I understand the that is a tightrope walk that not many people actually are able. To pull off, and I can't say that Final Destination 2 lands that particular yeah. maneuver. Um, and then, like, Eugene is a guy on a motorcycle. We know nothing about him. And he lives almost until the end of the movie, and we learn nothing about Not him. That he is a teacher. That's about yes. it. That That is his defining. I I, I will say one thing about Eugene is he is the only person that reacts to what he sees in a a way that seems like a normal person would react. Yes. Yes. His freak out in the elevator when he's like reaching through his own leg because he doesn't like he's reaching, but he doesn't know where his body is. That feels very real to me. And that's, that's, that's the thing that this movie kind of, bounces you back and forth on are you a good time gore fest are you something where i'm supposed to take this seriously like this this mom and this a teenage son we later learn they've lost their her husband his dad four years ago and they are destroyed by this you're like Mm -hmm. why am i rooting for the fun death of this recent widow right that is no that's why you keep these people young and stupid and just pretty enough exactly i don't want to see the choking death of someone who lost his dad four years oh yeah that that fucking sucks man and this movie is rife with it Mm -hmm. anyways 
logs start coming off of the truck. Rory takes a log to the face and one of the, oh boy. Oh. Uh, last time we saw a highway death this good was Bride of Chucky. That, oh, that, yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. Oof. Ooh, I'm rewatching <sighs> it now. And I'm noticing that like uh, this is so effective too. I think also in part because there's no underscore of music, nothing. It's just all one take. It's silent except for the action. And it's so effective. Oh my gosh. This is such a good scene. (laughs) It really (laughs) really is. Well, there's impact to it. Yes. And I think the diff, well, we'll get to it. Eugene falls off his bike is eventually crushed by uh, his own bike against a log. Uh, Thomas is pancaked by a garbage truck. Uh, The bandit uh, runs into the gas tank of a truck and explodes, but not before he gets run over by a completely different truck, Mm. which heads directly towards Kimberly's overturned vehicle and end of flash forward. She then realizes it. We then have the, am I dreaming? Are these events still happening? I tune the radio. I know it's about to happen. She goes, she looks behind her. She sees all the people that she saw in her flash forward are all behind her in line to get on the freeway. And she stops everyone's progress from getting onto the freeway. The cop, Rory, the cop comes down He and she's like, everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to die. And in the zoom of this particular film, which I don't begrudge it. The three characters who would think would be her cohorts for the remainder of the film mm-hmm. end up dying in one fell swoop when that one truck pancakes them completely and she is pulled out of the way by cop Rory. I yeah. congratulate the film for that zig when you think it's going to zag. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that is you're left with a bunch of people, as we just discussed, who you either want to watch die too much or you just feel sad that they're eventually going to die and you're just watching them feel punished in in a lot of ways. It's kind of a pet peeve of mine in slasher films um, when they have a group set up and it's, yeah, there's kind of polar opposite. There's very rarely in between where you actually really care about the characters, even the ones where you're just like, you are the worst human being possible, like die, which Mm -hmm. is how it should be. But a big Mm -hmm. pet peeve of mine is when they set up all these characters and it's literally just for the purpose of, oh, you know, they're going to die anyway. That's what the audience wants to see. They, people want to see these kills. They don't care about the characters. And I feel like that's just, troubling because then you just get such a flat script and you get a bunch of people in a room with no chemistry who don't know how to play off of each other and in the case of uh the mom and and tim it's like yeah it's you care about them but only because of their backstory they're not really fleshed out and it's just sad it's it's depressing right exactly right yeah there it's grief porn exactly in a lot of ways and i can see they're trying for something Mm -hmm. They're obviously coming at this like you would not, based on the previous film, you would not expect the young person's cadre of young survivors to not make it. So I I can see why they thought that was a nice zag. But what you're left with is now this group of sad or or assholes. <laughs> They're either sad sacks or assholes. Uh, and they're all in a police station when the cops have decided to gather everyone from the on-ramp in one room because they 
violated death's law? Yeah. I'm not really sure. Like, how did I'm he not... know where to end the line? What did he ask him really like where to stop <laughs> the amount of people to call in or how, how far back exactly. of this on ramp full of people should I bring into the police <laughs> station against their will? Yeah. And then you get a lot of close-ups of everyone and you really start to see this film loves an offbeat face shape. <laughs> it's, it's a cavalcade of hearts that don't, really look like hearts and ovals that end in weird ways. Um, they're sh- I don't listen. There are no unattractive people in this movie. I don't know that they're shot to the best of yes. the ability to make them look attractive. And I think that's kind of a thing as an actor. If your face is going to be 40 fucking feet tall, I like yes. to not look like an a-hole. You know what yes. I mean? I, I like to imagine when I'm on set and being filmed that even if I feel uncomfortable in any way, I'm having an off-look day, they're going to capture my best features, unless that's not my character, but, you know, mm-hmm. beside the point. But, you know, if I saw a premiere of a movie where they're just angling a camera like up into the side and the face is just almost like you're looking into a fun mirror, it's yeah. just... I would not be very happy. No, uh, it's it's it, it, there's some odd decisions. Uh, you the aforementioned Eugene is dressed like he's auditioning for the live action Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> it just it I don't know what's going on there. He's like from another fucking movie. Yeah, he is. Um, and uh, I should it should be noted that I am with Mrs. Carpenter, a character I forgot to really introduce because pff, why should I? Uh, why would I stay in a police station to listen to someone claim that their near-death experience means they're definitely going to have a death experience? Yeah. I, I just, I don't think that's legal advice. I don't think the police can tell you that. And while I'm very grateful to this young lady for not allowing me to get on the freeway to die with everyone else, can I go now? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, thank you. Uh, this film avoids the weirdness of the, f- of the first movie where the FBI is like, I don't know. I think this is a weird plot. And you're like, who, who's, who, who plotted this? Th- this makes no sense. Why would death be setting up this kid? I don't, uh, I don't, that doesn't fucking work. Well, this is but, what, I, this, uh, is, okay. this is what I'm, I'm talking about with, you know, it, it feels like they were actively still trying to write this. While they, yeah. while they, yeah. while they were, while they were filming it, it's like, well, maybe instead of what happened in the first movie, now there's some sort of complicated where it's going to start working backwards, right. and then you have to exchange a life for a death. And it then gets overcomplicated. Go, yeah, yeah, and and you know, like this movie, it starts out so silly, but but entertaining, and then you've got that third act where I'm like, I don't know what's happening here why are they trying to chase down this pregnant woman i'm glad i'm not the only one because i feel so silly i've rewatched this movie three times maybe and i still don't fucking get it like i i I feel like is it more complicated than i'm making am i making it more complicated than it is or is it just kind of like they're adding one thing on top of the other and it's just kind of it's a hat on a hat on a hat okay and unlike the previous movie where it actually shows you someone like connecting dots on a piece of paper here there's several shots of people trying to piece together how it's doing and they refuse to show you that Mm. because even they don't know how this works Mm. it just 
really it's everyone's grasping at straws it and nothing typifies this quite as much as this scene between kimberly and her dad and i remember it myself that awkward conversation i had with my father when i asked hey did mom ever have any weird feelings that is a general question (laughs) (laughs) describe weird yeah like did she ever have any premonitions lead with premonitions weird feelings is not descriptive enough (laughs) um you should have led with premonitions and of course he's no fucking help um but we we don't get to sit in that awkwardness very long because we cut to evan's apartment this is the guy in the trans am apparently he has won the lottery but not like a big i mean two hundred fifty thousand dollars is is no you know short shrift but it's also not completely life-changing money and he's still living in an apartment which actively has a lot of loose old toys in the hallway (laughs) there's a lot of dolls of some form or another in this film (laughs) i don't understand why there's so much focus on them and the scenes that they are in Uh, i think they're he's trying to give like could he die from these rubber balls that are on uh, the ground? You're yes. like, uh, maybe. I mean, I know he's going to die. Maybe we should, like, are you threatening with me with something? And like, no, this has shit all to do with this eventual death. <laughs> well, then thank goodness we spent all that time setting it up. Yes. That's great. <laughs> Perfect. You learned a lot from watching that first movie. Um, it, it comes to like, the note I wrote was like, if the scariest thing in your apartment is a skillet of leftover oh spaghetti gosh. that you put on the kitchen yes. table, Gina. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I want to know where he went, why he just left a full pan of spaghetti. It's like he made yes. it, set it down. He's like, okay, done. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to go <laughs> Listen, to the store I gotta now. Get to the mall. I've got to get my iMac. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so when I get home, I'm just going to fling that out the window. Now, a window that we learn has a fire escape on it. So, uh, spoiler alert, he's going to slip on that spaghetti later on to the point where it's like, okay, there's some thought being put here. But how did that complete pile of spaghetti make it all the way through all the <laughs> slats of that fire escape? To the bottom it of it. Did create it, one perfect splat. Yeah. The geography here does not exactly work. No. I I like the slapstick of it. I just it doesn't quite um again, we do not come to final destination for reality, but it it was a little wild. I, I do love how kind of cheeky this whole scene is how every setup has like a little foreshadowing of like the box that of whatever the hell he's making um says uh surefire snacks and uh the magnets on the fridge say hey e but the h (laughs) drops then it spells oh no i (laughs) wonder what that means (laughs) so i love the little things they did because there's you know the, the, the whole exactly. setup of it, it's, yeah. It's like one or two rewrites away from having wit. It's one or two rewrites away from really being as good as that setup, and they never quite get to it. Do I love, like, may we all have the confidence of a white man frying food with his shirt off? Sure. <laughs> if only. <laughs> that is very dangerous. Well, what I think, what I think, if I could just interject for a second, what I think is funny is how he sure. keeps getting these 
uh, voicemail messages from, hey, I heard about your lottery. Oh, yeah. Took up, and he won $250,000. <laughs> well, like, it's like there was some convention that they said it to that all the girls just decided to call on the same moment, like the same day. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, $250,000, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. But, you know, you know, oh, so are we going to move away to your private island or right. your $250,000? Yeah. yeah. And even when this was filmed, that still was not, you know. Yeah, he's going to burn through. It's not like it was the with 60s. His, with, his, with his, you know, his shitty mafia jewelry, he was going to burn through oh that my real gosh. quick. I was just yeah, going to say. I can't say, imagine he has any money left considering what he has purchased already. Those, the watch and the ring are the worst items of, of accessory I have ever yeah. seen. He does not look like somebody who would be wearing that ring. But. No, uh, no. Uh, and he's just like trying on things to, <laughs> to see what will work. Just see but what we, his rich persona can handle. So we go spaghetti out the window to frying oil to a breeze, which blows off the magnet. The, it lands in the, the Chinese food that gets put in the microwave. He puts on the oversized watch. And the horseshoe ring, which falls into the garbage disposal, the watch traps his hand inside the the sink valve uh, where the garbage disposal is. So there's some danger. But then uh, the frying oil catches on fire. He's hitting that with a rag and the pan (laughs) drops on the floor right next to a box of oil covered newspaper. (laughs) Sure. It's just, yeah, it's bad news. Um, he eventually yanks his own arm out of uh, the sink. The windows close. He breaks the window, crawls out onto the fire escape. His apartment blows up. Um, he makes it all the way down to the ground, slips on the spaghetti, falls to the ground, and the ladder of the fire escape finally slams into the ground through his head. Well, here's the thing. We... Uh- Another issue that I have with this movie, and this is something that they had a little trouble with in the last movie, and sure. presumably it's, I, I mean, I hope it's all something, that, oh, it is all of them, okay, where yeah. where it's not entirely sure that, are these people dying just through these bizarre, you, you, you elaborate accidents, or is there something supernatural going on here? Mm-hmm. Be- because yeah. like when the, the scene i'm jumping way ahead here but um when uh uh who's the one character eugene after he's yeah. injured in a car accident laid up in the hospital like there's definitely like like ghost hands like unplugging his like his like oxygen tubing and all it's not an accident. Yeah, I it's, agree with you. It's mm-hmm. not an accident. Someone is, you know, there's some sort of otherworldly presence, like unhooking things. Whereas, you li- like, you can literally imagine death wandering around that room with a cigarette, a cigarette <laughs> dangler out of his mouth, like, fuck, would you die already? <laughs> like, death is over it by that point but early on he's like i'm gonna still gonna be sneaky yeah there's just the gust of wind that you see right or like when uh uh, the kid gets you squished with a pane of glass it's just it's an accident Mm -hmm. yeah so which which is it i think it is that death causes these accidents Mm -hmm. um and you know they're rube goldberg sort of things where it's it's not one thing it's this confluence of events that all comes together to make that accident happen and 
the problem is, is it's, and it, this happens in that first movie too. It is variable. There are moments where it feels like death is making little things build on top of one another and they end in this grand denouement. Or it's like that Eugene scene and death is like, fuck, man, I got to be somewhere tonight. Can we do this? Can, we, can I kill you already? And you just want death to go over and start choking him already. It's like, just let me put this side up on the wall and start choking you. Because he's, he's, he's all out of patience at that point. I just picture Bill Sadler from Bill and Ted, like just showing up. <laughs> you don't invite me to Will play in, in, in the concert. Now I have to kill this person. <laughs> oh man! Uh, then we get that wonderful microfiche scene <laughs> on a computer with a lot oh of gosh. neo cities in one search. Um, and a headline that says "Area Man Crushed by Sign." In freak accident. But the way it's written in the headline, it looks like Airy Man Crushed by Sign In Freak Accident. <laughs> uh yeah. No one no one knows how newspaper headlines work in this movie. Or no. or just didn't translate to a computer screen. Well, who who can say? Um, that's when we get the the one photograph of Alex that looks like yes. the same guy who captured Jason Voorhees. He was so confused <laughs> in that photo. <laughs> and we learn that he was killed by a falling brick. Hold on to your hold on to your spaghetti, everyone. To the face, not just his head. The newspaper says to the face. It's like it's like what was he that's... walking and said? And someone said, "Hey, look up there," and he looks up. Yeah. <laughs> like it made a noise. Like the falling brick pulled the predator and goes, hey there. And then brick to the face. Um, we then, now everyone is learning about Evan's death and we cut to Kay who's walking on a treadmill while smoking a cigarillo. Like this yes. is a choice. <laughs> this, this little scene, I... <laughs> Is, okay, I have a question. Is sure. death's plan for all of these people to be watching the same news story at the same time? Because they're all watching it like like the kid and his mom, like they just watch the news. That's the thing that they do because they're yeah. all watching it at the exact same time. And they don't all look like the, the people who would be watching the five o'clock news. No. I mean, at least Kay we know is a multitasker yes. because she is smoking while working out yes. and watching the news. And talking to her mom yes. on the phone by trying to get her mom off the phone. Um, luckily for us, also watching the news, Rory, who is snorting toot with a bendy straw. <laughs> and that is another choice. <laughs> Seems like it would kind of get caught like in the, you know, the little bends and all. Yeah, it's I, you know, I don't have a ton of cocaine experience, but I'm going to tell you right now, bendy straw, not the best application for putting cocaine up your nose. <laughs> um, Rory is, I think, the only character I can remember in recent memory who comes pre-installed with a CD of Puddle of Mud. Is, uh, <laughs> is okay, oh my gosh, now I'm spacing out. Is Rory the, the stoner guy or is yes, Rory the cop? Okay, so yes. Thomas is the cop? Thomas or, is the cop. Okay, oh my gosh, this whole time I thought that I wrote it wrong different. too. Okay, they that makes the sense. Fucking face. <laughs> I was going to say, when did the cops snort coke out uh, of a yeah. curly straw? No, mm. because they have the same face. They did like, 
this is the thing. Like, cast some different looking people. And, you know, I know that a good half of these people have to be law mandated because you're filming in Canada. They have to be Canadian. But there's got to be some other Canadian faces, right? (laughs) Like, just try. Maybe just try a different face rather than having (laughs) two people who could play twins in another movie. And the only difference between them is one of them has a haircut that only can be seen on TRL at three <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so the the teen, uh, Tim, uh, we come into his bedroom later on. He's reading Stephen King's Bag of Bones. And I don't know that that's necessarily a reference or they just wanted a book that said Stephen King on it. Um, I've only read Bag of Bones once. I know someone dies by accident in there, but I I don't remember a whole lot of the rest of it. I don't remember that book very well, but I know that every scene that him and his mom are in gets increasingly kind of weirder because you wonder <laughs> why is this teen boy being treated like a five-year-old? And it's yeah. because it was supposed to be. Um, originally, that was written for a younger boy. I think it was like five or oh. six-year-old. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but I don't know the story behind Some it. But network yeah. execs, like, there's no way you can have someone in grade school get pancaked Ex- by a pain. Yeah, but instead of kind of changing everything else, they just said, we'll keep all the same shit, but have like a 15-year-old boy. So everything <laughs> is so awkward. Where you see this 16-year-old boy like, oh boy, I'm going to run <laughs> yeah. through pigeons. This is what my son did at six yes. years old. And he's getting tucked in by his mom. <laughs> yes. In oh his bedroom. Uh, oh my God. Let's. Uh, you know we love a teen's bedroom on this show. He has one super high, super skinny bookshelf that is sandwiched between his extended closet space and the bathroom door that has the uh, Legends of Hockey poster on it. (laughs) And it's like above his head. I don't, how many, like he could put four and a half books on this. (laughs) Who decided that this was a book? Like, why do you need that to be a bookshelf? It makes no fucking sense. (laughs) Also, uh, Bree. Uh, hockey super fan please tell us who the legends of hockey are on that poster i couldn't tell um we'll follow that up on twitter um so this is all a prelude for what we referred to earlier as the most frightening clown statue i've ever seen it almost gave me a jump scare because it's (laughs) very terrifying it's very terrifying. There's a very definitive look on its face. <laughs> <laughs> really likes that trapeze. And it's hanging in a very awkward way. We still don't see where that spider went. We don't know why it's hanging at eye level. But for whatever reason, it wakes up Kimberly. And then the shadow uh, through the window of the tree makes tree skellington hands. Mm-hmm. Ominous. And... Uh, I don't know what the fuck that means because no, no skeletons come to attack. We don't have an army of darkness situation happen at any point in this movie. It almost looks like it could have happened though. The way, yeah. they, shoot, they, the way they end that scene. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of, lot of sense. Um, but <laughs> we cut back to Thomas who's still doing a lot of research and which reporter in town is on the accidental teen death beat. You think? 
<laughs> I don't know, but boy, did they they spare no details when uh, <laughs> when they're reporting it you on the news. Everything. It's like she was yeah. hailed through the head with a pipe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by a ladder. <laughs> like people don't need to know that on the nightly news. You, that's not that they don't need to know that part. He, he he died. That's that's all you need to like. You don't have to be on the lookout for rogue you know, fire escape ladders. That's not a, a, a thing we all need to worry about. It was a very specific him problem. Yeah. Um, so at this point, that's when Kimberly goes to visit clear. And as Gina texted me, what kind of fucking insurance does clear have to where she gets this voluntary room that becomes her bat cave of the fucking insane asylum. I, 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 lo- I love how, how uh, Kimberly's talking to the nurse. Like, when would she get out? Oh, that depends on her. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, okay. So she could just decide that, yeah, okay, I feel better now. And then she can just leave. That, that's, <laughs> yeah. not how, and, that's not how psychiatric hospitals work. Yeah. No, that's not how anything works. And yet that is exactly how it happens. Kimberly in the middle of this argument, just because pigeons, pigeons, it's a sign. <laughs> and you're like, okay, Bert, tell Ernie about it. Don't, I don't need to hear about this shit. And she's like, I gotta leave. There's pigeons on the loose. Someone's gonna die via pigeons. <laughs> and so we discover that Tim and Nora are at the dentist and Tim makes a, a super fun uh, molestation oh. joke. Yeah. And imagine this coming out of the the mouth of a seven or eight year old because they didn't change anything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, There's a lot of strange revelations and dialogue in the whole dentist scene and the whole like, does your mom know you've been smoking? It's like, what? (laughs) What? Who is this character? What is this child smoking? This man child whose arrest, whose development was arrested when his father died. Um, Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. But there's there's whole lead up of what's going to happen inside the room where these pigeons are constantly crashing into the window. He's like, how many panes of glass am I going to have to buy? You need to move offices, my man. Because when you, when you have, too many pigeons are flying and breaking the glass of my dentist's office. That's time to look to break your lease. You know what I mean? That seems yeah. like a liability. Yes. <laughs> I would wager. Yeah, well, especially especially in your, in your job, you need to have a steady hand. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't need a lot of bird surprises at your dentist office. Yeah. You know. That's that's a it's not as precision as maybe brain surgery, but it's still not something you want a big slip up where it's like, I don't even know if I can inject your mouth with a painkiller. <laughs> no, I think I think you do, or I need to come back, or you we should do this in the parking lot or the lobby or some other location. Like you need to be able to do this. But over the course of this, a fish gets stuck in the vacuum. And the fish tank pump overflows and it squirts onto a an electrical outlet, and you think the mom's gonna get electrocuted. Nobody nobody then, notices that this outlet is 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 sparking and about to catch on fire. Nobody notices. Yeah. It's a fucking great white concert, and no one notices this because one pigeon's in the in the room They're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna catch this pigeon. Yeah. And and meanwhile, 
the oxygen nitrous tank, the oxygen has gone out and they're just filling this kid. Yeah, no one checks on him and they, they just leave him there. <laughs> and it is, I, it is kind of nightmare fuel to think of yourself yeah. being paralyzed and having a rubber yeah. fish slowly go down your throat. Yeah, that's a stressful scene. That that is like there there are moments where you're like okay like some people have some ideas here, and then that all resolves. They go downstairs and Kimberly's like pigeons, <laughs> and immediately Tim is like, oh yeah, I like pigeon, and he runs this 15, 16 year old kid <laughs> through these pigeons, which distract the guys hauling that giant pane of glass. And it smushes him right in front of his own goddamn mother. Yeah, that that's that's a cool kill, but it also makes me really sad. It's seventy five percent the lead actress's fault. Yeah, it, it like not yeah, the actress, but they're the character. The character's like pigeons, and he's like, "Oh, I have an idea. I run through pigeons." <laughs> and also, how did and, they know he was at the dentist and which dentist? And just to be there at the exact right. Oh, she gets a phone. She gets a mysterious phone call from somebody. I don't know who. Who's got her <laughs> calendar? Death. Yeah, like they're at the dentist's office. <laughs> yeah, there, and there's it's a one dentist town. I don't really know. <laughs> the, the, the size of this burg seems to go from we have high rises to. There's a single singular ambulance in town and the hospital is out by the lake. Yeah. So it's very a lot of variables involved in this particular uh destination. On the other hand, I, I really want whatever shit Tim's mom is on because oh, yeah. right. she's very calm about this whole situation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She's standing by I mean, he is pink mist, and she's like, I'm gonna be with him in the uh ambulance <laughs> like oh I, don't, I can't think this is yeah. a, a lost cause but okay uh clear shows up dressed like fucking sarah connor uh <laughs> she's reduced the amount of midriff to a, a like a cool three inches over the full foot that she was court mandated to have in the in the first yeah. film uh but thank god uh the light of our lives shows up mr tony Todd. <sighs> I love him. Like a breath of fresh fucking air. He shows up to give a goddamn acting clinic about, and he has, there's no line of dialogue that he delivers that clears things up, that makes sense. Oh, no. But he delivers them with such confidence. You're like, that guy knows what he's talking about. He could have recited Dr. Seuss and it would have been the (laughs) best scene in the whole series and it would have made perfect sense only because it's Tony Todd. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why does he? Why is he a mortician inside of Castle Dracul? We'll never know. But it's Tony Todd, so you're like, I accept all of this. Yes. So they end up combining forces when they learn nothing from Tony Todd, other than a new life will end death's plan. You're like, yeah, it okay. shows up just to say that. I do love the theory that he actually is death, though. That sure. Tony Todd. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah, I, I don't. I see mean, why I thought, that's why I assumed he was. I thought. I thought. Yeah. I thought he was the one that was kind of behind all of this. Alyssa, I, I, I got very excited. I have listen. I have a conspiracy theory board behind me. I got very excited to cross something <laughs> off. 
It's, you got to keep these things under wraps. It's settled. You can't just see death around every corner and flinch. I knocked like, this like and does. now something lit on fire, guys. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, well, we, I we, set we a chain start, of events off. We better start talking about these deaths because we got a, a whole bunch to get through. Um, we meet a, a whole a cadre of Canadian skate rats. <laughs> Is there a, a word like a, a flock of seagulls? Is there a word for a group of Canadian skate rats? I mean, are they a poutine? It's <laughs> it's just a loot. It's a loot. Yeah. A loot. A loony. A, Who's to say? It's a gaggle of street. I don't yes. Oh. Uh, and they all decide to gather at at uh, at Thomas's cop apartment, which is filled with dangerous sports equipment. And on his way up, Rory gets his foot caught in the elevator. So we set up that the elevator is deadly. And then there's an extended scene in which he holds his shoe up to somebody's face <sighs> and says, is this dog poop? Who and does like, that? And then he licks his fingers. There's something on your face. It's like, let me click. Don't. I don't want an adult licking their fingers and touching my face. Pandemic or no? No. no. It's almost like that was dialogue for the original six-year-old that Tim was supposed to be. Because (laughs) in no world, I don't care how high you are, how just not on the planet you are. No adult human does that. And that's the thing. It's vacillating between these. Like, it's supposed to be fun, but then... We learned that this woman is recently widowed and she's watched her own teenage son get crushed by a pane of glass. Mm. She's like, I just want to be in heaven with them. And you're oh like, my gosh. Um, that just, yeah, that changes the mood a bit. Yes. That's not fun. No. <laughs> but then immediately, and then it vacillates because immediately after that is the scene where Cokehead Mick all American rejects sees this deadly sports equipment closet that Thomas has and almost kills himself inside of it. And he's like, it's a sign. (laughs) There's someone with hook hands and it cuts to the elevator uh, where uh, Nora is, is behind this guy (laughs) with a basket of random arms. There's so much. I have so, yeah. They're just like hook, hooks and arms and all in this basket. A, a loose basket of appendages. I some with hooks, some with hands. So many questions about this scene, ranging from I want to know this man's story and why couldn't sure. he join the, the the force at this point, right. and also just the when when uh, Thomas calls and says it's so casual. He's just like, oh, a guy with hooks is going to kill you. <laughs> if I just got a <laughs> phone call. I would freak out. And not to mention that elevator ride seems like it's like 10 minutes long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this whole no, scene. There's no way that he's only going down six floors because it takes so long for everything to happen. It starts with the basket of random arms and then the Joe Biden hair smell. And then <laughs> there's a hook and a ponytail. Yes. And then she tries to leave the elevator on the first floor. The hook gets caught in her ponytail. And then the elevator goes back up and it starts sparking like a great white concert. And her head is trapped and people are pulling her from below and trying to unhook her from on top. And nope, 
Her head gets squeezed clean yes. off, baby. Yes, yeah, see, I, I fear that every time I get on oh, the yeah. elevator because that actually has happened here oh. in, in, in New York City oh. like a couple times because oh. you've got these, you've got the not involving like a hook hand or anything like that. Well, there's a million there's, stories yeah. in that crazy city. You could, but, but you've got these old buildings with these poorly maintenance elevators. And the most common way it happens is if the elevator doesn't stop flush with the floor. So sure. people will try to climb out and end up getting caught in the doors. And oh, it, it has happened at least twice that I know of. And every time every time <sighs> I, I get on an elevator in an older building, I, I think about mm. that and I Whew. start composing my last will and testament in my head. Oh, gosh. Mm. I can't have this in my head. Oh, I, can't I do not. I don't. I don't like elevators. I don't like anything about them. Oh, that's and awful. That is like that is a fun death, but it happens to a character that I feel sad about. The first yeah. time I saw it, I actually. So I have a. I'm like insanely empathetic with when with fiction. And I get way too involved. And so when I first saw this, I kind of cried a little when she died. And I still get, and her reaction too. And she's like, I don't want to die. Like it's, it's too much. It's not fun. I, I just, it's a tone thing. It's not that it's directed poorly. It's that it's, the tone is inconsistent. And if they had chosen characters in a path that made more sense, that could have been a very fun moment. But when you choose it to happen after that person has had this, this, you know, like, I just want to be in heaven and my, my entire family is gone. Like, that's, it just doesn't feel right. And mm. then the death is fun. But in the aftermath, Eugene has this very realistic reaction. He bursts back into the apartment, grabs Thomas's gun, and is like, I will determine when I leave. And attempts to uh, content warning attempts to commit suicide with a handgun mm. and fires this gun six times and the never the bullets never fire because it's not his time that's not fun Mm-mm. it's not fun to watch somebody hold a gun to their head and attempt to commit suicide in that way it, you you have to it just it doesn't make sense it's just teetering on too many. It just, it doesn't work for me. And it's not because it can't work. It's that it just doesn't decide which yeah. track it wants to take. Yeah. Just the tone. I don't even know if it's a shift, but just the tone is just not right in this kind of movie. Not helping is the music. And I, yes. I, I meant to look this up. I don't know who does the music, but it sounds like someone is really trying to Harry Manfredini himself. There's big Friday the 13th vibes oh, yeah. and that's not helping <laughs> because you just need something a little bit. It, 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 if you're going to do all big gore deaths and that's fine, Manfredini that can work for that. But these other things, it doesn't work for at all. And uh, then you go to Isabella has been hauled into jail because they figure her baby is the new life that will break death's curse. And so they have her in protective custody in jail, but her water breaks. So they have to take her to the hospital and on the way there to the hospital, the, the rest of the survivors, we all learn that they had previous brushes with death and all of them, are connected to the death events from the survivor victims 
of Flight 180. Oh, yeah, it's, shit. yeah, it's it's uh, like like how how far does this go? You know, like if yeah. you have a if you had a cousin that survived a near death experience, does that mean that you're you're in danger as well? Yeah, that's where I got a little lost. Yeah, th- this is the thing. It's one step too far. And I think if this had not been as directly connected to the first film, if they had just let it be its own thing and let the final destination formula be the thing that connected it, it would be better. It would be better without clear. Yeah. You could still go see Tony Todd and that could be your connective tissue. But when you keep trying to force the first film into this film's narrative, Mm. it only reminds you that you cared more about the characters in the first film than you do any of these characters. And that's a problem for this movie that I paid money to see. So Isabella's uh, van driven by the cop who has a very calm reaction to a baby being brought into this world, something (laughs) that happens. I might remind everyone every fucking day he knocks Kay's SUV off the road. Eugene's lung is punctured in the accident. Kay is trapped in the driver's seat by a log across her lap. A news van shows up out of fucking, you know, where (laughs) they got this news break. I'll never know (laughs) why this wasn't an ambulance, why this wasn't a a sheriff's vehicle there. It could have been a million fucking things, but this news van races onto the scene, almost kills a farm team. The news van then punctures its gas tank on a rock. The gas drains down a PVC pipe. A fireman jams the jaws of life into Kay's car door weld where she is smoking. And he, he jams the jaws of life in there. It sets off the airbag, which pushes her head through yeah. this jagged piece of PVC pipe that is rammed through the headrest. And she's dead as doornails. Yep. But wait, that's a, yeah. there's more. <laughs> because the Cicarillo falls, it blows underneath the car into the, the gas that's in the pipe. That explodes the news van, which goes through a log carrying a log and barbed wire across the entire length of this farm field and cuts Mr. Hoobastank <laughs> in three. <laughs> I love that uh, kill. And I love that they actually did that practically. And yeah, he does look a little awkward in that scene though. If you pause it, it's yeah. <laughs> the, the way, but, but they're trying. They are. There's no, a I respect here. that. I like that. A yeah. Little. Yeah. <laughs> but again, that these are fun deaths. Yeah. But they are coming on top. Like it just, the balancing act does not work. So this is when we get to death, not being subtle. And it's like, fuck, how many more people do I have to kill to like clear my ledger? I have other things to do. So he like disconnects a, a thing from the oxygen tank in Eugene's room in his hospital room. They're like no subterfuge at all. Uh, just like death is more over this movie than I am. Yeah. <laughs> Isabel has a difficult birth in which the uh, cord is wrapped around the baby's neck, something that does happen mm-hmm. on occasion, but it turns out the baby is delivered fine. Everyone celebrates the hospital's like, what the fuck are you doing in the delivery room? They're like, we're so happy. We're hugging. It's like, this is not the place for that. Um, and so, it turns out, though, she was never on death's list. She never died in the original accident that was avoided. 
Eugene's room explodes and that takes out clear rivers with it. So that's a twofer right there. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on in the span of what feels like five minutes. And just a side note, the woman who plays Isabella, I feel like I've seen her in at least five things where she's pregnant. I feel like she's pregnant in every single thing she ever does. Professional pregnant person. Yes, sure. professional pregnant yeah. person. Maybe she just does it so well that you're like, get me, yeah. get me. you know who's good at pregnant? And they, they, they call her. And, and it's Canada, so she's getting all those roles. Um, and so Kimberly decides the only way out of this is for me to die. Uh, but she has this flash forward of this particular doctor, Dr. Caligarian. And he, she tells Thomas, you should go get the doctor. She runs into the ambulance. She drives off a pier. Thomas dives in. And starts banging on the window of the ambulance with his gun. And I'm like, you know that shoots bullets, right? <laughs> like, maybe don't aim at her. But if you want to break through that window, you know what a good device is for that? The fucking gun in your hand. Yeah, this is the part where they completely lost me. I'm like, okay, so... she, Yeah, no, I don't understand what happens in this no. part. That that she, she almost, she's supposed to almost die... And this very specific doctor is supposed to bring her back. And this somehow, like, 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 you know, uh, rat fucks the whole thing of, of death's plan. I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't understand any of this. If you started putting red string together and you're like, I don't know who's Pepe Sylvia, you'd never fucking figure it out. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Anyways, they bring her back. Oh, we broke death's curse. La da da. So then... The most, and in a film full of confounding scenes, I, I did not remember this happening. They are invited back to the farm where several people died horrible deaths to have a barbecue. <laughs> Who initiated yeah. this I, visit? <laughs> By the way, I apologize. Oh, oh my gosh, I am hitting my mic everywhere. My air conditioner is not shutting off and I can't reach it. I apologize for all the horrible noise happening right now. But uh, yeah, I don't even, it took me the third time to watch this to realize that that kid at the barbecue was the the kid uh, before the case. Kid, yeah. And I always thought, who is this kid? What happened? And how did they just stay in touch? Like, how did they decide that <laughs> they were going to have barbecues together after this? It's, it's You can't even excuse it. Like, well, we all, you know, we now we know each other because of Facebook. There wasn't even a Facebook. Like, are they connecting via MySpace? Which one of them has a favorite band that they connected through? Yeah, I, like I feel, I, I, it seems like this kid had a much bigger role in in the movie at some point, and, sure. and then they they ended up, you know, whether for for time or they lost the thread of his particular plot they just cut him down to two scenes yeah and i you know this movie is a blissful rocketing 90 minutes with credits so i will give it that like it doesn't overstay its welcome but just the the math of these two groups of people going you know what we should do we should have ourselves a nice barbecue because we have so much in common we saw that guy get cut into thirds <laughs> This, someone blew up on our fucking property. We should have lunch. That's 
I don't think that's. A real so we thing should get together happens. at the place where where it all happened. Where it all happened, and then Farm Teen blows up, and his arm lands on his mother's plate. Sorry, I became uh, disconnected for a second, and I started freaking out. Going, <laughs> I think we all became disconnected <laughs> for a second. Like, oh God! Oh geez, what happened? We can't fucking Sorry. figure out how this fucking barbecue works, and then <laughs> the barbecue blows up, and a child is murdered in front of our eyes, and we see <laughs> his mother's reaction to it, and it's like, "See you next time." That's it for the movie. Yeah, that was a very kind of comedic beat that felt so off from the rest of the film. Yeah, <laughs> that was probably the tone know. that should have been, but yeah, if it was all that tone, I think that would have worked, but it isn't, and I think we've 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 covered that. So basically, we're coming down to death has chosen us to choose your own death venture, and that is where we decide of the many deaths portrayed in this motion picture. If we were forced to die in one of those ways, which one would we choose, and why? Up forbid, this is a long list, so buckle up and don't wait halfway into your highway journey to buckle up. I mean, buckle up now. We have log to face, exploding vehicle, motorcycle to chest, pancaked by a dump truck, pancaked by a semi truck, killed by a falling brick to the face, fire escape ladder to the eye, crushed by a falling pane of glass decapitated by elevator and hook arm, head impaled via airbag through jagged PVC pipe, bisected by airborne barbed wire, explode in an oxygen-filled uh, hospital room, uh, drown inside an ambulance, or blow up via barbecue. And Alyssa, you're our guest, oh, so that man. means you go first listen how do you choose from that list i don't know you it's a very they're good all question. very elaborate now part of me wants to choose being splattered by a glass pane because at least i would have the joy of chasing pigeons beforehand <laughs> and my sure. heart would feel full and i could <laughs> but uh for the <laughs> But yeah, I also don't want to be a 15-year-old stuck in, with the mind of a six-year-old, so that would be tough. But mm -hmm. I think I would probably have to go with Kay's death because she's probably on some sort of anti-anxiety medicine. Yeah. She probably just is completely checked out and it's so quick that it was probably just like a pinch of, oh, what was that? Bye. So yeah, the yeah. quickness of it would be i would be a fan of in the world of death she goes bye-bye real yes. fast yeah you won't but that means you have to start smoking while you i work know out. but you know it's okay if i look that good <laughs> smoking a cigarette then i'll do it i'll take it it's just a shitty thing that smoking looks so fucking yeah. it's so terrible for you it's uh it, it's bad news gina what say you um i you know my you, you know me by now i i always take the the the, the quick death because all of these mm -hmm. some of these are literal nightmares for me like the the yeah. you know, the, mm -hmm. the log to the face getting the head cut off with sure. an elevator uh so i'm mm -hmm. just gonna take blown up in a room full of oxygen yes yeah i i think blown up in a room full of oxygen or blown up by a barbecue for me like I, it just you are there one second and you are gone the yeah. next that is 
I want a concussive blast where I just see white, like I'm in a Friday the Thirteenth <laughs> movie, and then the movie just goes on without me. That's that's perfectly okay <laughs> with me. Mm. Uh, of course, uh, you know Josh Hollis does all of our artwork, and Revenge Body does all of the remixes and main themes for the show. If you want to listen to them and own them yourself, there's good news. Go to revengebodymemphis at bandcamp.com and all those are available for you to purchase until further notice. Uh, all the profits and proceeds from uh, those uh, that album sale uh, are going to Memphis Choices, which is a great uh, uh, facility uh, in Memphis that is helping people get the health care they deserve in these trying times. Uh, Alyssa, where can people find more and hear more from you? I am on the Instagrams at Alyssa Wag, E-L-I-S-S-A. Um, I'm just kind of chilling, doing my thing over there. And uh, when does this episode air? Um, that's a good in the middle of August. <laughs> okay, then never mind. Uh, then I'll probably just be chilling out. Don't have too much going on, cool. but yeah, that's where you can right. find me. Gina, where can people find you on these here internet? I write about television and movies at thespool.net. Uh, I work on a little side project with uh, Joe Lipset and Jen Adams called White Ladies in Crisis, where by the time this episode goes up, we'll be just getting into the Hulu miniseries Candy. Uh, mm. And I am on Twitter and Instagram under Gina Does Things. A, a show that I really enjoyed in, until a certain pop star showed up and he fucking ruins it for everybody. I'm sure we'll <laughs> get in deeply into that. Uh, oh, man. Uh, he he really fucks that whole Him thing. and his little it's, mustache. It's Him and his little yeah, mustache. He's <laughs> Not a very transformative actor, that that uh, little J. Tim. <laughs> no, um, no, no. Fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> great show if you just don't pay attention to him. Uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. We've got cool stuff going on over there. Not only are we talking about all the Halloweens, we have Halloween commentaries for you to listen to, but this month was a Patreon listener request, and we're talking about Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. We still have the, uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, the Predator Smut uh, conversation where we investigate Predator sex talk uh, for a whole long time in which I slowly implode (laughs) while listening to it. Um, be there for that. Uh, but don't worry, folks. The, the body count's going to continue for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.